Welcome to the Sigma Dad Pod, where I take you on the journey of learning what it means to be a Sigma Dad. Being a Sigma Dad means being a trailblazer. It means breaking the patterns before you because you know what kind of dad you want to be and you're showing up every single day to become that person. So if you're ready to be the best dad you could ever imagine, strap in, listen up, and let's do this. Matt, my first question is, you know... I think if someone wants to understand this conversation first, they're going to have to go listen to your uh, episode with Nick um, on Always Forward Podcast. That was amazing. Um, maybe read mm. John Gatto's book because you recommend that so much. But um, my first question for you is what are like the three biggest things that school's programming into us that we really need to avoid for our children in school right now? Hmm. There's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So obedience is always okay. first. That's what the school system was built around, was obedience. It was built around obedience to whoever claims authority the loudest. Okay. Um, it was brought over as this Prussian military system. The Prussian military was having problems with what they thought was uh, their soldiers thinking for themselves. And they didn't want to do that. So they figured, well, the best way to get around that is if we build, you know, we, we get the kids early um, and we build in this blind authority uh, complex where these guys are just going to, dive right into whatever we say, especially the government, you don't question it, don't question anything, right? You just go to the quote unquote expert at the front of the room, do not think for yourself. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, it also gives us this false sense of what education, you're programming um, a, a religion of schooling into somebody um, versus what education actually is. Education is always wildly personal. Education, um, all education is self-education at the end of the day. But what we're programming in um, is also this belief that what we've defined as this very narrow scope of academia equates to being educated. And I would argue that it ends up being the, uh, the antithesis. Um, and so really what you end up perpetuating, I mean, really everything else I would say would be extrapolated from those two things because what you end up perpetuating is this cycle of people continuing this. They have a religious belief that that's the way it's supposed to look, so they'll put their kids right back into it, um, and you just perpetuate that exact same cycle. So you get this learned helplessness, this learned obedience, this narrow thought of what you know educated means, um, and you end up with a population that's enslaved early and ready to just uh obey for the rest of their lives okay. which is totally terrifying like I, I don't want that for my kids completely terrifying like that so you, you said that number one is being programmed is obedience so it sounds like mm. me as a father a lot of this falls back on me in not helping to reinforce that programming of just hey listen because i said so so how do i as a father help i mean deprogram that from them but also from myself, because I, I, you know, as someone who has a college degree, which I don't use, I went through the system much longer than I should have, and so I'm programmed as well to think mm. that's normal when it's not, and so I have to fight mm. that through actually educating myself and through a lot of things that I've been doing. So how do I deprogram mm. myself and make sure my kids also don't have that as well? It's a really good. It's a really good question, and I appreciate your your awareness that it's it starts with deprogramming from the parental standpoint, right? So one of the things I talk about with parents ad nauseum and, and one of the things that we are really making sure we're intentional about, you know, with Tim and I 
on the campuses that we're building now and these school campuses we're launching is, look, the parents have to be leading the way. So they first and foremost have to be the people they want their kids to be. You want your kid to be curious? Be curious. You want your kid to be a kind human being? Be a kind human being. You want them to go after goals and dreams? You better set some goals and dreams for yourself and you better start taking action and getting after it. Um, so you need to be leading by example, but part of that, like you said, it's the deprogramming. So you got to figure out, you got to figure out the systems you're blindly obedient to. And I always throw the big ones out there. Are you blindly obedient to school and what that looks like? Um, because if you are, that's where I always recommend things like John Taylor Gatto, right? To understand why school looks like it does in the first place. So you can at least start to question it. Um, so are you blindly obedient to you know the medical system that just says, hey, these are the experts, right? So as soon as you're born, as soon as your baby is born, you got to hand them off to the expert who's going to go poke prod, do all these different things, and then keep bringing them back to the experts every so often as soon as they say, give them all the things we said. Question the systems, right? A lot of times there's religious systems that you're tied to. And I'm not knocking religion. I'm not knocking doctors. I'm not knocking teachers. I'm saying you're tied to these things that you don't stop to question because you understand that your life, you're likely built up, um, you know, in this community environment that if you started to question it, you're going to start to lose relationships and people are going to be mad at you for questioning it. So you got to like, that's the hardest part. That's why most people don't deprogram. Yeah. It's not that they're not curious. It's that they're like, if I allow myself to be curious and if I start to go a different way, who's going to be pissed at me? Mom, dad, my wife, the person down the street, who's going to think I'm a bad parent? Who's going to think, right? And so then they don't want to question it. So you've got to be willing to take a look at what am I not questioning and how do I start to do that? You've got to try to be self-aware in that regard. And sometimes you have friends around you that'll help you and sometimes you don't. But um, so Going down that rabbit hole while you're working on being the best version of yourself is always the thing. You've got to be the example first. And part of what you said is how do I do the, you know, it's not just do as I say, not as I do, right? So part of that is, again, not being hypocritical. Um, you know, it's if I tell my, tell my young heroes, man, you got to, you know, be passionate about what you do and get after it, man. And I want you to follow your dreams. And then they hear me talking about like, oh man, it's Monday, freaking Monday. So like that's hypocrisy, yeah. right? If I don't like, we don't lie to our kids, period. I don't even do the same. We never even did the Santa Claus thing because I don't want them to any point just go, yeah, but you lied to me about that. You said that was real. Like I literally will not be hypocritical on anything. Um, you guys got it. You know, physical fitness matters. Cool. Well, they better see dad in shape. Yeah. Um, like you got to go after, you know, understanding finances and financial, then they better know for a fact, I've got my finances in order, my relationships, like all of those things have to be exemplified, but where it really gets powerful is when we empower our young heroes to call us out if we're not living it. Right. Nothing in our house is an, I do, I say, I, it is a, we. Everything in our houses, this is what Bodros do. This is who Bodros are. This is how Bodros treat other human beings. This is how Bodros serve. This is how Bodros go after a goal and a purpose. Everything in our house is that way. Like we are a unit, we are a team, and they know that because if I screw up, and we have very tangible lists in our house of how Bodros behave and act. And they know that if they see dad 
or they see mom going against something on that list, they can respectfully call us out and go, hey, this is what Bodros do, but it looks like this is what you're doing right now. And we're going to go, you're right. Here's how we're going to fix this. Thank you for calling us out. Now the bond is inseparable. Now they believe us. Now they trust us. They're like, no, I guess this really is how Bodros operate. So that if they're missing the mark, I can pretty easily go, hey, man, you're missing the mark on this right now. What do we need to do to fix that? And they're like, yep, you're right. Here's how we fix it. Everything is a we in our house. And that's what I encourage parents to do is make it a we. We are on a mission together. Right? And you find out when we are on a mission, you find out you are the chief education officer, meaning you're the chief inspiration officer in your house. And you're inspiring by leading by example and doing this whole we thing, man. You know, later today, my son has a Ninja Warrior class. He goes to like the Ninja yeah. Warrior classes, right? He's got that class later today. He'll have kickboxing later this week. My girls will have, you know, competitive gymnastics. They'll have uh, horseback riding. They'll have all these things going on later this week. We'll have to go to the store at some point. We've got a lot of chores on the farms. We've got a lot of things that we have to do. And guess what? We will do them together. Yeah. We all go to every practice. The whole family. I like that. Like, everything is a we. We go to the grocery store. It's almost always the whole family, man. Everything is a we. So that's how it's, that's how you start to separate. You know, there's not even a question of like, well, dad does this and everybody else does. Nope. It's we always. I love that. I like that a lot. So I guess the question I have here is, I mean, you know, before we hopped into the podcast, I gave you a little background on me, but it is, you know, my wife and I want to bring our kids into homeschool. We tried to do that this year. Didn't quite make it happen. Um, If you had to give honest advice on, you know, that decision, what, what would you say? Are there things that we should be doing or is that just, we should do whatever it takes to make sure that we can do it. I mean, before this year's over, like, like, what would you, what advice would you give to someone in that situation? Yeah. Anybody that says that, I always say, okay, so what is the, what stopped you from doing it? That's always my, that's always my question. Um, because I get quite a, and I have people, you know, nonstop, um, reaching out around, uh, around home education. And they usually give the excuses as to why they couldn't versus the reasons as why they have mm-hmm. to. Right. And the reasons are your children. Um, so like to me, it's like, okay, what is the excuse that outweighs your child? That's always the way I frame it. What's the excuse that you have that outweighs the needs of your child? Because that's what you're adhering to is the excuse that you're giving yourself as to why you're not going to put them first. That's always the way I say, and I know that sounds, it sounds harsh, but I want people to think about it in terms of that severity, in terms of like that is there, they're supposed to be the priority. We say they're the priority, but our actions prove otherwise often. So if they're really the priority, then how do we make it happen? Right. And, and again, when I, I always want to, you know, people that don't know who I am, if they've just hear me for the first time, they're like, Oh, you're very anti-school. You're anti-teacher. You're anti, no, man. I understand why school's built the way it is. It's not for humans. Mm-hmm. It's not built to, to make strong humans who are actually doing something in life. Um, it's meant for slavery, right? So that's why I'm so anti the system. I'm very much for the people that are there. There's a lot of good people that are teachers and administrators. I am so on their side. And in fact, I want good humans in the system because there are some young heroes who are getting raised by crappy people mm-hmm. And the best humans they'll ever see are the people in those schools. 
So I want good humans there, but I'm going to still separate the fact that good humans can be there, but the system is not designed to unleash that potential. So, you know, from uh, when I'm talking to parents, it's like, okay, cool. If you feel like you can't home educate, then what are you working to do to get the quote unquote alternatives? There are good alternatives, but sometimes there are you know, maybe a Montessori or a Waldorf. Um, Acton Academies can be great alternatives. The Apogee schools that we're building, we're building those specifically so people have a good alternative to go to, right? So there's a lot of different options. I, I always go back to you know home education being the, the factory setting and the ideal though. So you got to take a look at yourself and what are your reasons, uh, you know, what are your excuses as to why? Is it because you don't want your financial situation to, to, to look any different? Um, okay, so that's your priority. Your priority is your financial status and the things around you and kids are second to that. So say it out loud and if it shakes you up a little bit, go, damn it, all right, we got to switch that, right? So say it out loud and is it, I'm afraid we're not going to do it right. Cool, okay, well then let's dive into what do it right means. Like examine the fear that you're prioritizing over your children and then kill it. I like that, I like that a lot. Okay. So, I mean, I have some questioning I need to do for myself in some private time, but the question that comes sure. next is when I hear you talk about like the Apogee Strong Schools, I yes, sir. I mean, my brain goes to this sounds amazing. This is what my kid needs. Like I would I don't yes, think sir. there's one here in Denver, but if like well, there's none there's yet. Any, like they're all it's like, "Hey, I would love to run that if my kid can have it." Like that's like yeah. I would want that for my kid. The alternative is they're at home with us as parents. We both work from home right now. And like, you know, over the summer we made that happen. They were, you know, they did reading during the day. They did, you know, work, school workbooks at a certain point. I think they do need certain math skills. They're not to the point where I think it's useless yet. But so I think that was helpful. They probably learned as much as they would have in a full school year because of how we did things. Um, And so it's like, okay, I'm, we're still programmed. We still need to work on deprogramming. And so very much so. They're sure. probably going to get more well. from your Apogee Strong School than they would from us. So looking at that, do is the better option to find some of these alternatives, or do you find that mom and dad, even having been programmed, are, mom and dad are always, always the, the best. best? Okay. Mom and dad are always the best, period, end of story. And that's somebody, I mean, I've built schools, and I'm going to continue to build schools all over the world. Okay. Mom and dad are always the best. And here's like the, the, uh, the bait and switch for our schools too, is that mom and dad at our campuses have to be on a journey of growth themselves. Here's the best way to educate a young person. Mom and dad continuously be uh, on a journey of being educated human beings. And then they just take the kids along with yeah, them. Yeah, like that. That's it. I, always ask, I like to ask this question because it gets people to start thinking. Um, so... I'm going to make an assumption here. You and I have just met for the first time. So I'm going to make some assumptions right. though on this. I'm going to assume your kids don't speak Chinese. Nope. Why do they not speak Chinese? Right. Because you don't speak Chinese. You guys speak English. So your kids speak English. So that's been the baseline normal in your house. Mm-hmm. Now, what school did you send them to to learn to speak English? School of home. <laughs> Oh, you guys just raised them speaking English to them, and so they spoke English. Got it. All right. Um, let me. I'm going to make some other assumptions, and I understand 
I'm trying to make a point. People have gotten back. I make this point before and people are like, well, there's kids with special needs. I understand this, but I'm going to make an assumption that your kids know how to walk. Mm -hmm. Okay. What school and at what point did you take them to that school so that they learned to walk? Every day they were home, waited for it and encouraged them. And you just encouraged them. And they, so in all of those things, you encourage them, Mm -hmm. right? They started to walk and they sucked at it because they were babies and they fell down but you guys were excited because they were figuring out how to walk and they were pushing through, yeah. right? It's not 10,000 hours, it's 10,000 iterations. Mm-hmm. So the more they tried, all of a sudden they're walking. They might even be able to run now. They might be able to jump, skip, hop. Um, they can probably do all those things, which are all graduated versions of that first step where they fell on their butt and Zach and his wife went, yes, that's awesome, keep going, all right? Talking, when they first started babbling, you couldn't understand a thing they were saying. They're just making noises and, you know, whatever. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Talk to us. Yes. And you just kept going. And they said things that didn't make any sense for 10,000 times. And then all of a sudden there were words that were coming out and you were having conversations. Yeah. That is how it works. You guys reading with them. And being excited about reading and showing that you guys read. And so I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read with you. And oh my gosh, look at this adventure. And then let's talk about this. And oh my gosh, how cool is this? And, uh, and let's let's keep doing Like you guys making it awesome. Guess what? All of a sudden they start to read. There's no like workbooks needed. You didn't have to force it. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. Just like people will learn to walk at different times. They learn to talk at different times. They learn to read at a little bit different times. Your job is to be that chief inspiration officer and do it with them. You talked about math. What math do you use? What math do you use regularly? When does somebody need to have that? When do they need to know it? And if you expose them to those things, not just in an academic sense, but in a realistic mm-hmm. sense, uh, you play card games with them. Like they're going to start to pick up on math. You start showing them your budget and how you calculate, you know, various things when you when you're buying and you've got a basic P and L for the house or a budget for the house and P and Ls for the business. And um, you just start exposing them to that, and eventually, they get it. It's so simple, man. It, most people are afraid that it'll never happen, but it's how everything in life happens. Mom and dad are always the primary educator. And what happens is we take them, we believe we have to go to school to have it academically shoved down the throat. We think we have to do something to them. And in the process of doing it to them, we actually make them hate it because we're forcing things too early in ways that aren't meant for human design. And we make them think that learning sucks And that there's something wrong with them, so they're just going to have to have the expert tell them what to do, when to do it. And frick, man, any time that I can get away from this and get myself a distraction, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And then that just pours right into how most people live their life, Monday through Friday. Somebody tell me what to do so I can live for the weekend. That's that's scary. Not the way it works, man. scary, but we're all bought in. Yeah, well, and I think, like, as you're talking through that, I think the – probably the most malicious part of the school system is making us as parents feel like we're inept to educate our children. And so that's how it's perpetuated. If we, if I felt capable, I wouldn't send them like, that's right. And isn't it funny? You don't feel capable. Did you go through a conveyor belt schooling system? Yeah. Oh 
uh-huh, and you feel incapable. So what do you do? You turn around and send your kids back to the same system that left you feeling incapable. Yeah. That's called cult mentality. It's called Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. It's called a religious belief. And that's the danger, yeah. right? Birds born in a cage think flying is an illness. Yeah. And we are born in that cage and we keep our kids in that very cage. Yeah, which is scary. I think the best thing I had growing up scary. was like I, and you know, I I have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, but like getting obsessive about things, going through and like not letting things go. Um, you know, as a 12 year old, I was teaching myself to read medical studies because I was interested in weightlifting and nutrition. And, um, yeah. I think I got more education in the hours every day after school. I spent learning that than I ever did in school. And, you know, that thinking back, that was actually my mom's behavior as well. She would get you know, very obsessed over things and study things and learn, like, that's what I did. And I was the weird one. I was odd because I'd educated myself actually in that way. And I still do that to this day. And my kids see that my wife sees that. And, um, you know, when they have questions, they don't have computers, but they go to Google or they come to us and they say, Hey, Google, what's the answer to this? Or, Hey dad, what about that? Like it's that curiosity. And I think that's going to educate them far more than anything they're going to learn in school. Zach, what a gift. What a gift. That obsession is a gift. Yeah. That's it. Like people don't lean into those yeah. things, right? I don't remember who said it. I wish I, I, I've actually said this on a couple of different podcasts. So I need to go back and remind myself who said it and the exact quote, cause I'm gonna butcher it as well. But I remember reading a, a long time ago, somebody saying, um, you know, most parents, if they were raising a, you know, a young hero who was extraordinarily good at tennis and loved tennis but hated academic math most parents would be very quick to find them a math tutor when they really should be getting them a tennis coach mm -hmm. and and i think that's extraordinarily powerful and extraordinarily true from what i've seen right lean into those obsessions because that's what's going to develop what Nabal Ravikant calls your specific knowledge because you're going to put yourself in then in scenarios where you are studying that for long hours or you are engaging with that material in a real tactile, physical sense, right? And so, you know, our oldest is 12. It's been very apparent. When she was five, she wouldn't even run like a freaking normal child. She would gallop. That's awesome. She loved horses so much. She would gallop everywhere and want to pretend to be a horse, right? The only toys she wanted to play with were horses. She wanted books at the library about horses. She worked to create multiple businesses where she was able to buy a pony when she was nine, right? And so then when she had ponies and she was nonstop out there with the pony. And then the next thing we know, we were boarding horses. And then she was taking all these horse lessons. She's now 12. She has two different jobs working with horses and still takes horseback riding lessons. There's not a doubt in my mind that girl is obsessed with horses. So we lean in. That's awesome. We lean in. Like, go get it. I don't care if she never takes trigonometry. <laughs> go lean in to this horse obsession because she's going to build something around that, including a network of human beings, a reputation for being a hard worker, the ability to communicate, the meta skills that actually transfer to the real world. Mm -hmm. She's building all those simultaneously right now too. 
I love that. I think that's, I mean, a good thing. thinking back on my obsession, like I, my first business was when I was 12 and, you know, this is from parents that, I mean, most of them didn't finish high school, which you know, better now than I thought it was then. But, um, you know, this is my 10th business and it's, you know, I consult some of the top podcasts on YouTube in the world and my business partner saw the potential I had. It took 10 businesses. It took me being obsessed for 15 years before that happened. And now the people I meet with and talk with are people I used to listen to and idolize because they, I mean, they just have such amazing shows and it's crazy if you doubled down on that. Um, You know, I had a wife that was supportive even when I wasn't making money that I could continue to go down that. And if I had have had that so much earlier, I wouldn't have struggled as much when I didn't have a safety net. So I don't want, like I want to provide that safety net for my kids and help them to double down. But my fear is that some of these programmed behaviors are going to seep out into them. And I want to do my best to make sure that they don't. So I think your, your suggestion of questioning more is good. Is there any other things that as a parent I should do to double down and help them really go after the things that they're obsessed with when they're young? Well, you got to pay attention to even see what that is, right? So you talk about a safety net. The safety net is a is a the confident human being, right? That's what a, that's the only safety net that you have, right? The the more we seek, um, you know, comfort and security, the less you actually have, right? So for them, you got to pay attention to what that is, and you got to give them opportunities to to develop two things: being a self confidence and a self awareness. Um, so the self awareness you as a parent need to have that same obsession that you have with, you know, building businesses, same obsession you have with medical literature, same obsession you have with that. You have the same obsession with your kids. So you watch. Um, I always, and it's annoying to my family, um, but I watch them so hard that I know exactly what they're thinking and when they're thinking it. I know what they're going to say before they say it. That's true for my wife and for my kids. They hate it, but they secretly love it. They hate it that they're like, oh, you know what? And I'll tell them what they're going to say because I know based on what's going on around us, this is how this person is thinking right now because I'm obsessed with figuring that out because I can serve them at a higher level. So when you're obsessed around your kids to that regard, you can start to see situations where you're like, okay, cool. Um, This is where I can poke and prod right here and really make them take the next step. I can get them a little bit uncomfortable right here. I can put them in the situation that's gonna allow them to have to do something that's kind of tough for them but in doing those hard things a little bit at a time and then encouraging that resilience, I'm going to actually build self-confidence. And then I'm going to be able to go back to, remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? And we're going to tie that work ethic to these behaviors and self-confidence is actually going to be able to be built. And that self-awareness, I'm going to put them in new situations all the time and, and test. Like it's a, you know, science, right? It's the scientific method. You're testing things with your young kids. So it's the scientific method of, okay, I'm going to test them with this, a new conversation here, a new concept here, a new behavior here, a new person here. And I'm going to see how they react because that's going to allow them to develop the self-awareness too. They're going to have different situations and ideas and that they're going to have to tackle with and wrestle with. And I'm going to help them think through all of those things. So that's what we're building out with our kids is self-awareness and self-confidence. If you're obsessed with them, pay attention to them so that you can continue to move the needle just 1% every single day. Um, And then you're building the meta skills that are needed for them to move forward. You and I don't know what the skills are. You know, you said you're young, you're young kids, Mm -hmm. right? Like 
10 years, you know, 10, 12 years, they leave the house. What are the skills that are needed 10 to 12 years from now to be successful? You have no idea. Yeah. Neither do I. We can guess, yeah. but you don't know. What they need are the meta skills of that self-awareness, self-confidence, being able to communicate with other human beings, being willing to adapt, being um, curious enough to learn, being aware enough to go, okay, here's where I go get that information, being brave enough to change their mind when something no longer matters. Mm -hmm. 12 years from now, this is a freaking pager probably. And if this yeah. cell phone is, a, is as good as a pager, then I need to be brave enough to freaking ditch it and go with whatever makes the most sense. Right. So we need those kind of meta skills. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I think a lot of things coming up for me, like I've always been frustrated with people that like it, we accept the status quo and we're like, I have a lot of family that literally, if you looked at their lives today and you looked at them 20 years ago, it's the exact same, like no change, no different. Like yeah. it's just stagnant. And you know, I've distanced myself from a lot of friends, a lot of family because of that, because I don't want... I hope you've gotten value out of the show today. If you have, it would mean the world to me if you would share the show with a friend. Podcasts are notoriously hard to grow, and word of mouth is actually the way that they grow the fastest. So if you could take a second and text this to a friend or family member, someone who needs this, I would really appreciate it. Now back to the show. To that for me, I, I don't think I'd ever do that, but I don't want that influence on my kids either, because I don't think that's okay. And, you know, really making sure that they're progressing and that they're able to have, you know, the things that they want in their life. Um, one question that does come up, like, as you've talked through that is, so for me, I would get very obsessed with something. I call it the six month rule because I would put in more work in six months than most people would put in in a couple of years because my brain just, I couldn't get it to stop thinking about those things. I'm better at it now, but it would just grasp and hold it. Waking, sleeping, whatever, everything was whatever that was. And then I'd be totally done with it. Never wanted to touch it again. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know that my kids have that, but if like, I think I'd be able to recognize it, but I feel like some parents, if kids do get obsessed with something and then they change after you've invested time and you've got coaches and you've invested money and things like that, what advice do you have to those parents who maybe are a little frustrated with kids? I, I, I understand this cause that's how my brain works, but like they're yeah. up, upset with maybe the investment that they made where the kid is like, Hey, I'm done. And they, they don't want to do those things anymore. Yeah, it's it's a that's a selfish thing on the parents' side, and I and I understand it. But you have to look at the reality of what they what they were able to do right there. That was growth. That was education. Just because it wasn't something that became something they wanted to take on for life, the amount that they learned, not just from an academic standpoint, but the experience of that, the confidence that was able to be grown through there, the awareness that was able to be grown through that, it's something to be celebrated. It's really weird that we will go, oh gosh, they just poured into this for six months and now they don't want to do it. But we're comfortable with sending them to a free babysitter to, to really hammer home academic math for 12 straight years. And we're like, no man, that's awesome. Just like, what the frick? Like we're so, uh, we're so conditioned that we don't um, follow any train of logic. Like I would argue you, they, they were able to learn all kinds of things. And the reality is they may be able to come back to that and they may end up finding connections around that too, right? So um, one of the mentors that was that really made an impact on me is a, a gentleman named Jeff Hoffman. And, and not enough people know who Jeff Hoffman is, but he's one of the most brilliant human beings I know. One of the best speakers I've ever heard. A phenomenal entrepreneur and businessman. So Jeff um, is responsible for, like if you've ever been to the airport and uh, you printed out your boarding pass prior to going mm -hmm. up, right? Like you got the little kiosk. So he invented those. And then he went on to invent Priceline.com, 
Um, so wildly successful organization, yeah. right? And he's gone on to do a million different things. He's won Grammys as a producer. He's made movies. He's, you know, been a, a consultant to the the last four or five White House administrations as far as like business goes. He's a brilliant guy. One of the things that he talked about was that every day he would skim headlines and he would take a look at things that just jumped out to him as like kind of interesting. And he said they were all wildly unrelated. And so he'd write it down, tackle the article, whatever that is, write it down, and he put a post-it note up on the wall about it. Next day, do the same thing, post-it note. Next day, post-it note. And then over the course of time, he started training himself to see patterns that other people wouldn't necessarily see. This article about you know, the way planes were, you know, something was going on in the airlines and then this article over here about Chick-fil-A and then this article over here about whatever. And he starts making these connections and going, oh, okay, well, I have a solution that will actually take care of all of these sort of things, right? What we don't understand is for our kids, if we will allow them to go ahead and be obsessed on something and go ahead and go, you know what, I don't even really feel like that. I want to do that anymore. You may be giving them those deep-rooted post-it notes that they've now got locked over here. And maybe they're not obsessed about it right now because maybe they're obsessed about something else. But then maybe later they'll be obsessed about something else and maybe later... And then they might be able to see patterns where you actually can connect all of those things and all of those experiences to create something amazing and something beautiful, right? Go to a buffet, get obsessed about tacos for six months. And then you're like, I don't even like tacos anymore. I've eaten so many tacos. Gross, dude, I'm good. I'm all set. And then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to be really obsessed around uh, Korean barbecue. Man, that's my stuff now. Six months of that, dude, I'm going to just become a ninja of Korean barbecue. And then, oh, man, oh, God, dude, I'm so done with that. But then what we forget is somebody at some point went, actually, you know, I'm going to start a food truck and I'm going to take Korean barbecue I'm going to put it inside a, a I'm going to put it inside a taco. Mm. And now I've got this thing called a, you know, Korean Korean barbecue taco fusion and it's exploding, right? That's what our kids are going to be able to do as well. If we give them the opportunity to go ahead and stop being obsessed about one thing and let's go be obsessed about another thing. That's great. There's no downside to it. And in fact, you might be surprised with what they come up with. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that a lot. That's gives a lot of validation cuz I it literally was every six months for, you know, 25 years that I was just thing after thing after thing. And I learned what I liked. I got to the point where I have all that experience and I like it. Um, and one of your, I mean, a lot of your interviews that you've done, you always mentioned the love of learning being kind of the core that kids need, um, and adults as well. Um, my question around that is, I mean, in this learning where, you know, to learn all these skills, to do all this reading is going to be a big part of that. And, Yep. School is programmed programmed us to not love reading, and so when I right. read like nonfiction books, I have a really really hard time. I can't sit there like I can listen sure. to two or three audiobooks a week yeah. at two x speed while I'm doing other things. Like I do that. Yeah. My kids then don't get to see me reading though, and so I don't know if as an adult cultivating that love of reading is important, or if just making sure that your kids understand that hey, I am reading, I am learning, I am like. I am educating myself yeah. and I don't know what thoughts do you have on reading as an adult? Yeah, it's a good question. So, and I want to make it clear too: the love of learning is a factory setting. We're born with yeah. it. We're always, we're born curious. We get it trained out of us. 
We're born curious. That is our factory setting to be curious about things. We're just trained out of it early and then we distract ourselves later. All right, we keep ourselves distracted so we get sucked into these distractions that are meant to change our mind so that we stop learning too, right? It's like, I could learn, but I'd rather go scroll now or I'd rather go play this video game or I'd rather go watch the football game or I'd rather go, you know, whatever. Like we have all these distractions around us that create all this noise that, that keep us from ourselves and ourselves. Our natural default setting is to love learning, to be curious. We can't help it. It's a default. Just like we'll try to talk, just like we'll try to walk, we will be curious until it gets sucked out of us and until we're distracted away from it. So I want to make sure everybody understands that that's the factory setting. Um, and then that said, on the on the the love of reading side, um, I think there's you know audiobooks are are great, um, and there's ways to. My kids know I listen to audiobooks sometimes, so it's not always where they're seeing me reading. But sometimes I'm reading. I've actually had it on my phone too, and I'll be just super explicit and just be like, "Hey, I just want you to see, so like this is what Daddy's doing on the phone right now. I've got this interesting book. Here's why I think it's interesting, right? Here's what's going on. So they know I'm not just sitting here scrolling like that's not my that's not my thing, right? It's like, hey, this is what I'm using it for. Sometimes it's an audio book, and I'll literally they'll come into the room and I'll stop and I'm like, man, I'm listening to this audio book right now, and they're reading it to me and. This is why I think this book is super interesting. And here's a quick tidbit out of that, you know, which is kind of, so you can still let them know what's going on. The more important part is that you start reading to them and with them as early as possible and making that exciting for them too. Like that's the most important part. Yes, you're leading by example, but man, go in there and enjoy it with them. Get down in it with them. Not just books you want to read, things they want to read. And make yourself get excited about it. I like that. I don't like reading Ninjago. <laughs> uh, My son doesn't know that I don't like reading Ninjago. Yeah. As far as he's concerned, I love it just as much as him. Right? As far as he's concerned, I think Lloyd is freaking hilarious. As long like he doesn't know any different because I dive in there with yeah. him. And then that allows us the bonding and the opportunity and the trust for me to go, ooh. Okay, yeah, I know we liked, like Ninjago was awesome. Hey, I got this other one, it's called Old Yeller, right? I'm gonna bring that one in there too, right? It allows me to start introducing, I've earned now the trust to start to also bring into some of these other classics that I want to so I can have bigger conversations too. And those things are wildly important, not just because you need to learn how to read. That's not the point of reading. What school tells you is that the point of reading is to learn how to read because everybody needs to learn how to read. That's the dumbest freaking thing. You need to learn to read because reading books, doing it right, allows you to be a better human. It allows you to be a more effective human being. So when I go, I want to bring these classics into the home, not because I want them to be like hoity-toity and, oh, let me quote, you know, whatever. No, I want them to be in the shoes of that protagonist in the story. I want them to have to think through, well, shoot, if he decides to do this, what do you think is going to happen? Because then in their own life, they're going to go, ooh, if I decide to do this, hard moral dilemma, what are the steps? What is going to happen? And then what if I choose this? What's going to happen? They're getting the reps in on how to be a good human being. That's why we learn to read. And so that's why I need to make it exciting for them. I like that. I like that a lot. It's not about reading for reading's sake it's i mean even in nonfiction, like i have a problem with that i love you know self-help books all you know things like that but the nonfiction 
allows you to live another life, essentially make decisions with no impact to your actual life. Um, you get to see some of the good and bad of decisions you may or may not have made. So I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, man. Any book you read, fiction, nonfiction, some people respond more to others, um, more to one side than the other. And I won't say either is I, I'm a yes and guy. Mm-hmm. I like to read fiction and nonfiction because both have the ability to change you. Yeah, like that. Like that a lot. Um, one of the things you said on another, you don't talk about this as much. You mention it quite frequently, but um, you said, I think that kids should know what the family finances look like. I feel like, yeah. I don't know if this is the school programming, if this is just culture in the U.S., what this is, but uh, finances are a taboo subject. Like we don't, you don't talk about yeah. how much money you make. You don't, I mean, a lot of the times, yep. even spouses, I mean, it's arguments. It's not, yep. we're on the same page. We don't do a budget well. Yep. And bringing kids, what? Because we don't know how to do it. Yes. Because most of us don't understand how to make money, how to keep money, how to give money, how to, like most of us don't understand how to do it. So we don't want to talk about it because it ends up being a sore subject, right? Because you've been trained not to do it. Um, School doesn't help you to do it. You know, so we suck at it. We hide it. We don't talk about it. And we send our kids back in to live that same existence too. So yeah. So how do we break that cycle then? Like, I feel like if someone... Like if a couple is working on their finances, they're paying off debt, they're starting to save, like they're getting out of maybe the hole that they're in, they're finally starting to address this. Bringing kids into that is another gear, another variable, another thing. So I... They should just be a part of that conversation. Right? Here's how much we spend. I mean, make it very simple. Here's how much money we make. Here's how we make our money. Here's what this looks like. Here's my W-2. You know, if you're a W-2 person, here's my W-2. Look how much money. This was what comes home, you know, every two weeks. Look how much money gets sucked out by the government and by all these other garbage taxes, Mm -hmm. right? Here's what happens here. So we actually get this amount. Mommy actually gets this amount. And so then let's put it together. So every month, this is what comes in. Well, let's take a look. To live where we live, here in this apartment, here in this house, whatever it looks like. This is how much it costs. Make it very, very simple and be honest and be open about it and go, okay, cool. So what we're trying to do is to make more here, to spend less here. We want to put this amount to save here. And this is what a savings account, and the savings account gives you no interest. It's supposed to, but it gives you nothing, yeah. right? So we want to get better at figuring all these things out. So we've got to learn how to actually invest. We want to figure out how to learn to start a business so that we're not paying all of these taxes over here. We want to learn about the 1041 tax system that's legal and available to everybody, but only 200,000 people in this country even play this game because they don't realize that there's a separate system that they can play. Um, we're going to go ahead and play that game. Here's the difference for us. You know, Our businesses are making this here's the expenses in the business here's how much the businesses are bringing in when we want to we move the money over from this to this business trust because the business trust actually mommy and daddy don't own anything the business trust owns this and then the business trust we're able to move it down to the family trust the family trust takes care of these expenses for us then we can move things into the foundation and the foundation allows us to give all of this money to these people and these people and these people versus giving it to the government it's literally just going hey Come with us the whole time. They don't have to understand all of it. But I check the finances every day. And by check, I just mean we just double check and make sure there's nothing funky going on, nothing weird coming out, nothing, no surprises, no, right? We check that. Kids can, I mean, it's three minutes. The kids can take a look with us. 
And then, you know, once every couple of weeks, we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive just to make sure we're on track for what everything looks like. And my wife and I can have the conversation to make sure we're doing the right things. Or if we talk to our advisor, we just make sure the kids are there. That's awesome. It's not complicated. It really isn't. People just don't want to have the conversation because what it forces is the parents to have to get better. Mm -hmm. They've got to grow. Right. This whole thing. We haven't been in the 1041 system my entire life. I haven't been an entrepreneur my entire life. I was I was a W2 guy. Then I had to figure out what it looked like to not be a W2 guy. Then I had to figure out what that looked like to leave the 1040 tax system altogether and give up ownership of everything so that I could keep everything. Mm -hmm. It was like I had to learn and get better to get those concepts. And so each time I do it, it's like, oh, my gosh, kids, guess what I just found out? Guess what we're going to get to do? That's awesome. I feel like so much of this seems like it it feels like it's just common sense, but we've been programmed for it to feel Uh, scary. Like it, like as a young adult, because my my parents were people called my parents nosy because we they built houses, they sold houses, they like that wasn't it was an investment strategy. It was just my mom loved designing houses, dad worked in construction. Mm -hmm. And so that was always a conversation we had. And so when I'd walk into someone's mm-hmm. house at 12 years old, I'm like, how much did this cost? And people look at me like, uh, excuse me. And as a young right. adult, right. you know, I would walk in like, right. wow, this is a really nice house. How much did you spend? And I'd have friends and people just look at me like, dude, you don't, you don't ask that question. Like, What's wrong with you? That's, that's a normal conversation that I have. Um, and I want my kids to be able to have money be a normal conversation right now. Things, uh, when they want things that are very expensive, it, that doesn't cost that much debt. You can just buy it. <laughs> um, right. So right. I guess the question that comes after this is what? how do you get your children appreciation for what things cost for making money? Obviously, pushing out too young, like my youngest, or well, the youngest um, that I just mentioned, six. Um, and he asked, he's like, oh, we can just buy it. That's, you know, $200, Dad, that's not a lot of money. You can just buy that for me. Um, obviously, pushing that on him is too young, but helping them to appreciate that, you know, they, they can start businesses, they can make money. I guess, what are some of the best ways that we can do that for our kids? It's having them do that. It's having them start businesses. It's having them learn to make money, right? It's having them do, you can, gratitude is, is one mm-hmm. thing, right? So being a gracious human being in all circumstances and having perspective to be, you know, grateful is one thing. And that's, again, starts with you being grateful. It starts by you having open conversations about, look, man, this is, you know, this is where we are and this is why we're here. Daddy used to live in a car and let's look at these guy, like this guy on the street right here, like that's tough, man. What we have to look at is can we help that person right there? Um, what does that look like to help that person? And how do we make sure that we are in a position where we're able to just help these people and we're not in this kind of, like having those conversations are, are real. And a lot of times you can have those conversations, not just in real time, like what's going on in the streets, but you can use things like, <gasps> books that have stories about home. Like you can touch every dang subject under the sun with these kind of things. But for the true perspective, somebody always has to have experience to gain real perspective, right? Um, you know, I use the example in, in uh, one of the TED Talks about my son wanting to do martial arts and saying he could do an academic study of martial arts and do a trifold board of martial arts and, you know, do a multiple choice test of martial mm-hmm. arts or he could go get punched in the face and he can go like learn how to th- like you don't appreciate physical combat unless you've been in physical combat. 
You can think you appreciate it. You can appreciate it to a degree. But unless you've ever actually participated in physical combat, you don't know. Right? So for them, they need to start making their own money. Making their own money, having to spend, then they get a real appreciation for what things cost. My daughter has two jobs working at these uh, you know, horse facilities so that she can pay for her own horse lessons so she sees how long it takes. So now she's starting to think, wait a second, I've got to work this many hours to get this stuff that I want. And so then we can have real-time conversations of going, yep, you bet. So if you wanted more than that, you'd either have to work more hours or you'd have to figure out how to do something work-wise that takes you the same amount of hours but actually gets you more money in return, right? She can't actually appreciate it until she's doing it. So for kids, it's that. Let's, let's, let's have them start their own businesses. Let's have them earn money. Let's have them work in ways that they can fund their own things and they can start to have a real appreciation for how much things cost. And it gives them the perspective to to go build, right? They start looking at their time differently. Yeah, I like that a lot. So allowance comes to mind as you're talking through that. What what are your thoughts on allowance and like, I, th- I think I know what you're going to say on a few of these, but house chores, allowance, how do those things fit into raising your kids, at least from your perspective? Yeah, there's there's a part of, you know, in our house anyways, it's just a part of like, look, this is just the things that need to get done and we're all going to split this up because we do, right? Um, and we specifically bought a farm so that we could have more things that we do. Um, so it's just part of the, that's just part of it, right? As we all do, like that's just part of us moving things forward. Um, and so they don't, they don't get an allowance. Um, but if they want to take on, jobs, if they want to go get a job, they want to go provide a service to somebody else, or they want to have a certain amount of hours they got to put in for dad, then they can earn income. It's not a lot. We don't even talk about allowance um, just because it's been so bastardized, you know, and there's an automatic, again, beginning of wisdom is the definition of term. So allowance itself just brings a connotation of, I get this as a kid just because I'm, I live here and I, you know, I just, I don't want to even have to try to differentiate. So it's just, nope, this is what we all do. Chores are responsibilities. That's just part mm-hmm. of it. That's just part of being here and growing up. And, um, all of us are doing this together. All of us have to do this to keep this thing rolling. And then there's work to produce income. We separate those two allowances isn't even a word we use. I like that. I think that how we have it set up, I think is a little bit better than most. It could use some work though. Um, it like, we don't, it's not just because you're here, you get this money. It's say hey, you did extra chores. So maybe a little better, maybe not, but. So that's great. I mean, so chart, if it's something outside their normal responsibilities, mm-hmm. right. Just make it very clear, establish like, this is the baseline, man. This is just what you, this is what it like. Making your bed is making mm-hmm. your bed, dude. Everybody <laughs> needs to do it. So just freaking yep. do it. But I'll tell you what, if you want to take on something extra that mom or dad usually has to do or something extra needs to get to the house, needs to get, you know, the shutters need to get painted or this, whatever, that's extra work that wouldn't normally be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is normally how much we'd end up having to pay a professional to do it. So cool, man, we'll pay you this if you want to go tackle it, you know, like something like that. Yeah. Great. It's a, it's a different deal. It just differentiates for them that it's outside the norm. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Oh, so I think this last little bit, I want to have you talk through like 
the podcast is about being a Sigma dad, you know, someone who breaks social norms, who does things differently, breaks generational, you know, lines of thinking. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of struggling with that. There's a lot of, you know, feeling inadequate. There's a lot of feeling like an outcast. So as you know, from your perspective, what are maybe one, two, three things that a dad who is really trying to break some of these molds and do better for himself, his wife, his kids, like that he can do to, to level up? Um, I mean, I, I look at, we talk a lot about balance, you know, balance is a cultural word. That's one of those buzz things. And I always tell people balance is up here, right? It's in between your ears. Um, that's the only place balance comes in and, and that comes in through being obsessed. Like we were talking about earlier around optimizing everything. Um, and that's what we work on. You know, when Tim and I have, we've got our men that we have in this mentorship program. Uh, it's all around the optimization. It's understanding that most men will just acquiesce to the status quo. They will just acquiesce to, um, you know, just kind of going with the flow. It's actually the, the, um, it's almost a, almost a, a, a human design. It's, it's really what all of history, like you see, most people will just bend to, Whatever. Now, again, there's cultural things, school being one of those and parental guidance, you know, being or lack thereof being another one where you kind of set these people up to just go with the flow. Um, so if you are going to break a generational trend, you've really got to work to try to optimize every single part of your life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. You've got to look to optimize there. And so I always, you know, talk about following these patterns and um, following a roadmap, if there are people who have optimized things ahead of you, men that have optimized things physically, cool. What have they done? What do they do? I'm not saying you have to do that exact thing, but start going down that path. What have they done, right? So from a physical standpoint, in our in our mentorship program, we take a look at people who are, these, they're guys that are in their 40s like us, but they're in crazy good shape and crazy good health, right? That's just we don't talk about that enough. I haven't been sick in a freaking decade. Like that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I I value that just as much as I value, you know, a level of body fat percentage or strength or whatever. Right. So, um, cool. So why, what do those people do and how do we incorporate that? Cool, man. I actually have really good relationships with my kids. Why, what am I doing? Um, and how do we start to incorporate in that into our life? Cool. Making more money, saving more money, keeping it, giving it, um, cool. What are the patterns there, right? So it's literally examining how do we optimize every single part of our life um, and then being brave enough to be consistent about doing that every single day. That's the hardest thing for guys. Everybody knows how to be, in, you know, I love what Gary Vaynerchuk says. We had Gary Vaynerchuk on the on the podcast a couple of years ago and he always says, everybody knows how to get in shape. You work out, you eat the right, read the right stuff and don't eat too much of it. Everybody knows that. So why don't we have a bunch of people that are in shape? Well, because it actually caught you actually have to do something every day. And that's always the thing. So we look at how do we optimize for all of these things and what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What do you need to do every day to maintain that optimization? And then are you disciplined enough to motivate? I don't, you know, it's not motivation, man. It's the discipline around it. Cool. Sometimes you have to be disciplined enough to motivate yourself mm -hmm. to do that, right? Um, and so that's what we're looking for with all these guys is going, okay, how do we optimize it for you? And then what can we find for you 
that will allow you to be disciplined enough to stay motivated? How do we get rid of all these habits? You don't, you don't just get rid of bad habits. You have to replace them with new ones. Otherwise, they don't go away. Um, so that's what we're looking at is how do we replace the daily habits to optimize uh, in every one of these situations? It's a long tail game, yeah. man. It's not easy. It's life. That's life, but that's it. And it's education. Education literally means to continue to grow. It's what we're supposed to do. And when you lean into that and get rid of the other distractions that take you away from it, it's actually not difficult. It's kind of like home education. It's actually simple. We're just so distracted by other things that are driven by our fears. That's the problem. No, it is. And it's, I don't know, it's scary how far the culture of our country has shifted from, you know, coming here for freedom and being able to yes, build sir. the life that you want to, we're programmed to just submit and do whatever we're told to do. <laughs> it's, yes, it's scary. Sir. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. Yeah. It is. It is. And that's literally the way we, you're, you're exactly right. And that's, you know, all the things we've got from the mentorships to the, to the campuses, we always say, you know, it's like, okay, we got the, the you know, the men's mentorship program here. We got the young men's mentorship program here. We got the women's program launching here. We'll have the young women's and then we have the K through 12 campuses where the parents are involved in all of these as well. And the young heroes are involved. It's literally all different fingers, the same hand and that hand, these fingers, we want to grasp the reseeding of a free and sovereign society because all of that is education. Like all yeah. of that, that's exactly what that is. And in none of this are we saying, we've got the answer and we're going to do this to you. We're saying, look, here are some of the patterns. Here are some of the roadmaps. Let's all do this together side by side. And in the process, you're going to individualize what that looks like for you. Right? Because again, all education is self-education. All education is wildly personal. Yeah. So let's just do this together. We'll examine these things together and then you'll really hone in what that means for you. That's the way it yeah. works. No, and that's beautiful. Um, I did want to ask about your programs real quick. I mean, I sent my youngest brother's 15, so I told my mom to look at your, your mentorship awesome. program for him because yeah. he that fits him perfectly. I think more people need stuff like that. But as a dad, as someone with young kids, what are some of your programs that are going to help someone like me that I should should be looking at? Yeah, so for for the dads, for the men, um, our, the Apogee Strong Dads program, which right now it's just at apogeestrongdads.com is the landing page um, for it, but we're putting everything under the one under the one umbrella here on on, uh, on the tech side. Um, what that the way we have it laid out again is a roadmap that wasn't just a Matt and Tim Kennedy go, hey man, this is the perfect roadmap, yeah. right? It's we're literally pulling from ninjas in all these areas of life to put this together. So the way it works is guys will launch quarterly. Um, come in and there's a bunch of guys that are coming in together as a, as a class and t for 12 months, guys are like, can we just do 12 weeks? We're like, nope, we're replacing the habits. And there's also a bit of a tryout here for who we're going to be connected with forever as we build out these other things. If we're honest about it, right? We're looking for the guys that are going to be able to, that are going to commit that actually want the growth. Um, because a lot of guys will say it but then they won't do it or they'll, they'll say it for, you know, they'll, they'll fool everybody for a week or for a month or whatever. We want to see, like, we want to see your habits over the course of, of 12 months because that's going to tell the true story. Yeah. Right. Um, people say, 
commitment is a word that's another thing that gets bastardized, especially in things like the church. I right? like, I'm going to recommit my life to, then you weren't committed in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I, do I recommit to my wife each week? And then on the weekend I go get some girlfriends. Like that's the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. You're either committed or you're not. So for these 12 months, as, as the classes come in, um, the way we do it is every single month, we have a very specific focus for that month that everything builds um, on each other. And so like that first month is really around personal psychology. It's the stories you're telling yourself and the stories you're telling yourself around the stories you're telling yourself. And we have very specific challenges and projects that you are tackling that month to start to rip some of that psychology apart on purpose. And it's not, again, it's not just Matt and Tim say, no, Matt and Tim are doing as well. And we're bringing in the ninjas in that field in books and in mentorship form for you to do the deep dive with, right? You're in a private platform with guys that are all going through it together. So we're all doing that together. You've got a brotherhood around you of support. All the guys are like, oh, okay, this is hard. This is emotionally taxing, but you've got other guys to lean on as you're doing this, right? So then there's books you're tackling. There's these projects you're tackling. Every week we have mentors that are coming in the best of the best of the best on the planet. Um, all kinds of guys that everybody would know by name are coming in and you're having conversations with them as well. But what they'll find, it's a, really, it's a bait and switch. It's like, you had Tim Ballard a couple weeks ago? Yeah, Tim Ballard came in. You, had, you have uh, John Lovell this? Yeah, John Lovell was this week. Yep, you bet. Bedros Coolian. Yep, you bet. All the time. Like Ryan Mickler, anytime we want. You bet. Jocko, sure. Andy Frazella, great. Like, bring them in, right? But it's the bait and switch. It's the projects. It's the work that you're doing on a daily and, and monthly basis mm -hmm. and the brotherhood around you that ends up making the, the biggest transformation. So... Um, yeah, it's weekly calls with literally the best men on the planet, but you're in a small group, a unit that's moving forward together on a specific roadmap to tackle every single one of these areas, your personal psychology, your time and energy management, your focus, um, your physical fitness, your spiritual journey, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with the kids, setting up a legacy playbook, becoming self-reliant and, um, and uh, taking a look at where you're not sovereign, where are you still relying on other systems, the ability to build a business, to market yourself, to sell, um, to uh, take a look at finances, understanding the, the financial games that you're not playing. Um, and that 1041 system, we dive very specifically into that, that, right? Like all of that, man, we're doing that together as a brotherhood. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. So for kids, you said, I know for um, the main program for kids is 12 to 20. Is that right? About 12 to, yeah, 18 to 20, somewhere in there. Yes, so yep. kids younger than that, is that more just, hey, be at home with the, the parents and learn, or do you have a program for that as well? Yeah, that's that's really where the physical schools okay. will, will come in, the physical campuses. And then some of the men will also be, um, so as the men go through our our program, many of those men are going to choose to affiliate, kind of like a CrossFit affiliate, right? You open your own CrossFit gym. These guys are gonna open their own Apogee, um, either virtual or in-person mentorship programs as well. Okay. Be able to utilize everything that we are doing, be able to white label all the tech for it, um, be the face of Apogee in their communities, 
And so for anything, anybody younger than 12, if there's some face-to-face -face mentors there, they can run, they'll be able to run that. Or this, the campuses that we're launching, right? The 2024 launch of, of you know, 100 campuses. Um, that's where the youngers would go. Otherwise, yeah, it is, it's home. We don't do anything virtual for anything below 12 um, because of the development. It's just a developmental okay. thing is all it is. School teaches you like grades and grade level. Those aren't real development levels are real yeah. um and there is a big brain jump that happens right around age 12 and so that's when we start doing that and just having a little bit of that virtual mentorship okay i like that I like that a lot well i'm gonna yeah. link everything you've talked about in the description so people can check you out but appreciate your time awesome. today this has been incredibly helpful and i know a lot of dads are gonna be helped by this so i appreciate you coming on honor honors my own brother anytime